Greenfluence, the podcast that brings you the latest in sustainability, responsible investing, and climate change. In this episode, your hosts, Maya and Viz, chat with Harim Jung, a climate change data visualization specialist in South Korea. We'll be hearing from her about the power of grit and nuclear energy. In this week's episode, we will be talking with Harim Jung research and development engineer at Seabury Solutions, and a champion data engineer. She leads the Climate Change Data Visualization, aka CCDV, a Tableau-driven climate change-related data analytics group. About Seabury Solutions. Seabury Solutions is a global leading MRO and airline business-based company and expanding core competencies into data analytics in nuclear and renewable power system industries. It supports the Power Plant ESG and Digital Transformation Consulting Groups. Welcome, Haru. Hi, Haru. Hello, Chris and Maya. Thank you for having me here today. It's my great pleasure to meet you guys, especially with your influence, actually. And I wish to share many things, especially you know, about the ESG and climate change-related things. And Hopefully, the listener who have to get to listen to the Grapevine podcast. Yeah, thank you. Great. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to have you on as well, Harim. And I think for me, because I, I use LinkedIn quite a bit, and I saw your I saw your profile, and I think it's really great to see a young professional with such a passion for data and climate change on your LinkedIn. It mentions that your passions are grit and persistence, as well as entrepreneurship. So I just wanted to know, and I think our our listeners will also want to know, how did all of these things come about? You know, we have to break up the mold and the boundary to do something. Because, you know, this is a totally different story that when you have something in mind and when you're doing something in real life, it's a different story. And, you know, every great thing happened with the very first small step. And that is what we can call like entrepreneurship. And on this journey, no one pay you. Attention, no one pay you bucks and no one pay you any, any kind of applause or encouragement sometimes. And, you know, no one knows what you do at first. But even though you have to keep going, things are, even if things are not going well and keep going till the things comes out to work. And there is a persistency and making this persistency like a habit is like a great. So I definitely love the word great myself because this is the key to the small success and I have the small tips will and I believe like this kind of small tips will make a huge snowball for one's life and I definitely feel like this is the, one of the words I, I can call like my career journey because I cannot call my career journey like a while or still so long but I have to push myself with my grade and I have to call myself like okay I can do this because even I fail about it or even I stop about it nothing really happens so I just push myself and the first very step was like, I got so interested about the data science, but I didn't have any kind of knowledge about it because as you can see, like my background was nuclear engineering, my bachelor was in mechanical engineering, and no one teach me like, no one taught me like, what is data science and what is data actually. So I got to, I wanted to learn a little bit about the data science. So I started the Coursera and the University or something, YouTube, and that was like the very first step. But as you know, this is really not easy because even though you have a lot of motivation, 
didn't know that I'm scared. Just following the court date is not easy work. So I changed my plan. So why not I starting a little small project from myself? So I just tried to get some connection from LinkedIn. I just tried to reach out to the people and I just asked him. And most of the people really kindly replied to me, and you can try this one. So I tried the small thing, the small things, the small things. And, and after the linking all the things together, now I can call like, oh, this is, could be a career moment for the people. And this is the basic step for the entrepreneurship. You know? Because end of whatever you do is like not only working for the company, you have to work for yourself first. And that is, I feel like, the entrepreneurship. And that is the, what the current ones are really doing actually so far. Yeah, no, like 100%. I think like a lot of what you said, when I was mm-hmm. listening to it, I was like, that is why we started Greenfluence, right? We want to mm-hmm. build something that's just for us. It, it's something that reflects our brand. And I think like what you covered was really interesting about your passion for data science and mm-hmm. how like it wasn't easy. You did the online course and things like that. Did your education inspire you to get involved in the space? And what is the view about climate change and sustainability in South Korea? And how did that help you? Or was it like a challenge for you? Okay, actually. So about the educational view, there is like a, these days, the educational view of the sustainability and the climate change was like a blooming because the government or government just going to embark on the new policy and the new era about the climate change and sustainability. And Definitely, it's all about like a top-down style, you understand it, right? So, the, because the global trend is, especially with the climate change, the forest industry is so, so booming from here and there. So, the government and the lots of monetary paths are coming from the university and education, you know, possibilities. So, to be honest, like, uh, I feel like I'm on the right track, especially with the environment and like technology sector. So, thankfully, lots of the young generation could have a chance to learn about the sustainability was a technology, but there are some limitations, yeah, because all of the countries, you know, sustainability and the energy sector or even about ESG comes like a different story because they have to consider about their characteristics done and they have to consider about their own policy. I feel like, uh, and one of the things I want to really talk about it is like uh, the Korea has our own the sustainability policy, we call it like a K New Deal. The K is the acronym of the Korea. And this is based on the sustainable development goal from the UN agency. And it directly affects the budgetary plan, which we the companies working in ESG more and more this day. And actually, this is after that the ESG comes like a couple of years ago in Korea. We didn't care about the ESG that much, to be honest. Yeah. As a nuclear person, I already got so kind of a deep, deep knowledge about the like compared to the compared to the other people, I feel like uh, I feel a little bit sorry about our Korea's Korea's ESG and sustainability policy system because I don't think you know about it well or not. But the Korea has been starting the reducing the nuclear power path because we have a pretty picky already issue with North Korea. You got it, mm-hmm. and they already got the nuclear issue something. So the IEA and the different countries. You know, led us to be a little bit flat to our body, and our government felt like it. So we decided to resist the nuclear pact. And it also comes like we have to embark and we have to embark and expanding the renewable party, but it's not working really well because the limitation of the geographical things and something is not going really well. So I think in this point, we have to consider about like uh, right the energy scenario, we have to consider to the energy, energy transition system. 
especially about the what energy sector we have to focus on. And in this point of view, like uh, I feel like uh, I can be right or wrong, but it is so true so true that we don't have a reliable renewable energy so far by the lots of limitations. So and that that is a really a big point of EST inside of the Korea actually because we are faster country and we are pursuing lots of energy and electricity demand. But at the same time we are under pressure on the nuclear sector. So this could be a kind of the wow issue inside of EST investment. Okay. When you mentioned there, it mm-hmm. relates to Australia as well, because Australia and South Korea are both, de- are both developed countries, but we both have challenges in renewable energy. And mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see in the upcoming in upcoming COP26, are the climate talks, Glasgow, mm-hmm. like what different countries think and, and I guess what we can agree on, because it's such a huge challenge. And I think what you've done is that you've used quite a bit of data to show the impacts of nuclear energy and to show the impacts of renewables of ESG. And I think that tells a great story. And honestly, I don't see it very much. So it's very unique. So how did you start doing this, I guess, visualization? Actually, we have also like uh, one picture is better than 100 words. Maybe there's a, yeah, there's total story. Because my my visualization journey didn't come like that at, at one time because I had a background about the research engineer. I had a background about the master's degree. I had a background about the different party. But finally, I feel like uh, even though I have lots of vaccination, I have so many words to say to the people. No one really get interested to hear about what I want to say because it's too complicated. Sometimes it's too hard to understand. So people want to know and understand faster. And people want to, you know, see like at that moment without any kind of explanation. And I feel on that way of the context, I feel like, oh, visualization could be a better way and could be a really impactful and useful tools to let the people understand it. That's why I started on the, started working on the visualization. I noticed the focus has been on nuclear energy. Why did you choose to focus on that area? My bachelor's degree was about mechanical engineering and I was... I was really lucky to get a chance to work in the UAE at, the same, at, at 2015. And I was working with a nuclear instructor, interestingly. I teach the nuclear students about thermodynamics and physics and that kind, of, that kind of the subject. And I was really, you know, easily to get connected with the nuclear people. And I got so fascinated about like, oh, this could be an interesting part. And, and you know, like there are so many opportunity and possibility I can work for them. And so I started to work in the player part really easily. So after I came back to Korea, I joined the KHFP. This is the biggest nuclear company inside of Korea. And I learned like how the nuclear power is working for the people. Even though lots of people say it's too dangerous and you know we have to decommission or we have to reduce it. But you know there's there's a lot of pros and cons about it. No. I feel like nuclear power is still so strong and reliable one, so it comes like nuclear power is important. What we call like a low carbon energy is like a combination of the nuclear and renewable energy. We cannot, you know, just like detach nuclear power at this moment because the energy consumption and demand is too high and the normal fossil fuel and the normal renewable energy storage cannot, you know, map the demand and its consumption. So we have to think about the transition scenario. That's been a really big focus in Australia, particularly in that energy transition. We're looking at, you know, renewables 
mostly around wind and solar because of the landmass, lots of desert space. Personally, I'm also pro-nuclear, but we don't have, we're very different energy demands. And because of the size of Australia, it doesn't really suit the needs of our population. Uh, it's more of the issue of transferring electricity from sources. Like if we were to have a solar farm in the middle of the outback, how would that be then transported to the city of Sydney? And so we're going to be looking at uh, hydrogen alternatives and also um, battery packs. So that's going to be hopefully for future episodes. We would like to now look at some of your own background and work experience. Mm-hmm. And you've definitely had a lot of wide-ranging experiences, Harim. Um, you've worked for the UNDP as a research mm-hmm. analyst in Cambodia in 2014 and also an engineering peer tutor in Abu Dhabi. Um, in 2015 Mm -hmm. and so that is really quite unique Um, how did these experiences come about and how did that shape your view uh, of the world thank you for calling like my complimentary sorry but I think it's like a wow because you guys already have a great moment in your journey and so about those experiences literally broadened my mind and eyes, to be honest, because the UNDP was like my first internship in my, you know, within my uh, university degree. And I feel like uh, now I realize that it was all about like the sustainable energy system and equal energy usage for for people who need the right, need the clean energy, you know, because not many people and still so many people are under some pressure to get the electricity for their daily usage because we, we are using so friendly but some is not yeah, accessible on it. So the project was about equal energy and it totally triggered my point of view of the SDG and ESG probably. And after that I finished the, the degree and I went to the UAE for my my first job in the Abu Dhabi Polytechnic and as I mentioned, like from the UAE, I started my career inside of the industry, and I feel like this is like a wow, and this is like clean and affordable one. So I feel like yeah, this could be like my my second path to work through. So I decided to work on it. To be honest, if you're living in some different country, it's really really interesting and really like meaningful for the young generation, especially the one who has thinking about what to do for the next the next ten years. And living in the UAE is rather meaningful for me still now because UAE is really exotic and UAE is really generous. People are really generous and they are open for new business and new ideas. So I feel like it was really awesome awesome experience for me. And I can feel like a dozy parents really let me know like uh, you can do whatever you want, especially about especially if you have a right demand determined mind, especially about the international experience. I can feel like uh, if you have something in your mind, you have to try to reach out yourself and open yourself like self branding. So that was like what I learned from the, those international experiences. I also recall from. I think the quiz we had in the launch party, this mm-hmm. was an Abu Dhabi that had the the uh, highest carbon. It was emissions. actually Qatar, but like it's that it's that region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Middle mm. Eastern region, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they approach um energy, especially since, you know, their resources are very 
different. They have mostly desert. And yeah, farms. desert, but yeah, they have they have oil. So well, <laughs> they have a lot of yeah, oil. Yeah, a lot of oil. But they already have the Irina branch, the International Renewable Energy yeah, Agency, Irina, and the UAE is the very first country from the Middle East who started the nuclear power and who has a really a long you know, vision long-term of the vision to transfer to the renewable energy. The one thing I really like the UAE is like uh, they don't rely only about oil. They try to transform or transform the energy system and they just invest on their, their own people. They try they make the Dubai as like a digital hub to make the startups comes like a you know digital hub. So I feel like uh, this is a great leadership I can put I can call back. And of course as Miles say they has another you know So just on the topic of, you know, nuclear, Mm -hmm. uh, just delving further into your background here, we see that you've also had experience at the International Atomic Energy Agency. How did you land this role and also what were the challenges that you faced? Oh, this is my my favorite question, actually, (laughs) because at the southern there was like a the post I saw from the LinkedIn, and I just saw like uh, the IEA has opened the data of July contest about the climate change. So it totally opened my eyes, and I feel like, why not? I can apply for this contest. So I tried to develop my own code and visualization with the Tableau, and I used the press data set. The press data set is the power reactor information system for the IEA official data set. And the one thing is like uh, the press data said is uh, the best data about the nuclear, but no one knew actually. There was like uh, my own question like, how come this data set is this valuable and amazing, but no one get interested about it? So I decided to put this data into my visualization. So I developed the, the visualization and I got the first winner of the contest, luckily. So unfortunately, I got to invite it to the, the uh, uh Australia, Vienna, especially about the headquarters, and I, I participate the general conference and present my own data visualization. And lots of people, you know, get the get agreed to make my own ideas. And some, yeah, I met the really great mentors, and especially Dr. Mugnick, who asked me to work together with him. So I, I landed the job really quickly and really flexibly. Of course, working with the international agency is a really a great chance and opportunity, but at the same time, this is really challenging because the you know like the time zone is different, the language is different, the culture is different, and totally the UN code is totally different. So we're really dignity and really robust, and sometimes so many steps to you know cover up, cover up. You know, no one just let it let it pass. It's like the things. Easily. But after I work with IEA, what I learned is like uh, nothing comes really easily. And there are already great mentors and leaders who open the nuclear era industry to the people. And sometimes in IEA, it's really easy to get lots of you know, objective and offensive ways from the world because not many people know about nuclear well. But they decided to do, be the leader and they decided to be the Global top in nuclear, so I learned so many things. After the working with the international atomic agency, energy agency, I feel like you know, I feel like oh, I got the certificate. I got the certification about the data visualization with the climate change. So it the this opportunity just gave me like a, the great you know encouragement myself, and I feel like oh, I can be the climate service specialist. So 
this is one of my career Wow, so it sounded like a really big turning point. Oh, yeah, it is actually, yeah. Everything good happening afterwards. Um, and so let's just return back to that topic of renewable energy. It seems like a, a lot of large organisations now see the need to reduce their carbon footprint and reach those net zero goals. Uh, from your perspective and from what you've seen and your data, how can we stimulate and encourage greater renewable practices? Oh, yeah, renewable energy is like a really hot topic of the way, and we can't rely on fossil fuel anymore. That is all true. And to be honest, I don't, I cannot say like we can, we cannot stimulate or we can encourage young people anymore because it's already so famous and so, you know, like blue topic for me. So my own thinking, my very own thinking is like uh, we have to choose the right direction and we have to choose the right movement. And we have to keep it the right impaction. That is the things we can do to people who has interest in about to work about it, this topic. Yeah. And the first step is like giving them the right knowledge about what is the renewable and what is the sustainability, what is the climate change. We don't need to say it's like global is the global world is warming or temperature is too hot. It is so basic, to be honest. I know basic is really essential, but we have to finalize and we have to figure out like this could be happening, so we have to prevent this one. And this also could be happening, and everything is like a link, and everything is could be happening, and it will end up paying more tax about the common something. That is actually my own idea and my thinking. And you know, the expanding the renewable energy source is not an option anymore. But for me, to maximize the effect of the, to the that zero goal. We have to focus not only about the you know renewable, but we have to focus on the energy efficiency and the energy transition as well. Yeah. For example, like uh, if we ask the people, or if I ask you guys, like uh, if you buy a Tesla model, is it like a carbon free? Then most of the people could answer like, yes, it's carbon free because it's electric mobility. But end of it's not because if we generate electricity, we also emit lots of carbon, you know, emissions CO two. And what we call this one is like a carbon intensity. And end up the goal is like reducing the carbon intensity. That is the basic thing we have to focus on. So to be honest, like uh, the carbon intensity, the CO2 intensity, especially to the carbon emission to generate electricity, take like a 40% of the total emission. And we have to let the people know this one. This is the first step, I think. When it comes to thinking about the low carbon energy, we cannot detach the nuclear power as well because not every renewable can only pick up, pack, you know, you know, meet the, the emissions, meet the electricity usage. And we are also thinking about the country's policy. So basic thing is like uh, tell the people what is the real choice and what is the real things talk, talking about. And then next step is like the understanding about your country's you know, policy and scenario and try to think like what you can do. There's things you can do. And one more thing, I feel like, uh, especially with the young people, speakers like you, Lisa and Maya, you guys are really doing well. And I think this kind of movement have to be, you know, comes more influenceful and comes more like a spreading because small action could make a huge impact. Like, uh, we cannot do like Miss Greta Pinger, you know, we cannot be like a wow, but we can do something small and small and then like uh, make the copy and make the information like a legacy and let the next generation to understand about easily. Because we already learned about it, and we have a tools like a voice and visualization, so that people understand a little bit easier. And mm-hmm. it's so important about 
telling the truth and telling mm-hmm. the facts as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what is climate change and mm-hmm. the impact of, you know, rising temperatures. And so having the facts laid out and understandable is going to be really crucial as part of that influence on organisations and people's minds. So now oh. if we go back as, mm-hmm. as well to your kind of current role at SIBO Solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that and also what's next for you in your career? Actually, I'm a research and development engineer at SIBO Solutions and we are like uh, one of the leading companies, especially in the airline in our own. And I totally feel like you guys got into a curiosity of like, uh, what is the correlation with the MRO and airline and DST? You could be, yeah. You know, so someone could be like, what kind of role we are doing that? We've been actually working on the energy transition and digital transformation as well, because uh, thanks to the COVID, the airline and the, or the industry was really short so far. I mean, like the budgetary impacts are not doing so well. So we decided to focus on the digital transformation, especially about the low power energy system. So at that point of view, I tried my best to work on the things I can do apply. And thankfully, we got so many interesting projects, especially dealing with the megadata about the power plant. And we concerted the project, especially to the digital transformation following the ESG context. Because in, some, in just case of the Korea, lots of power plants and lots of things working so well to now that the ESG policy has been so pushed so, so strongly to the companies. So they have to calculated quantitative analysis, they have to figure out like what is the going on inside the company. Not only about the CO2, but have to thinking about the welfare of the people, they have to thinking about the, the, the happiness point of the, the company, they have to thinking about their, you know, like a social good point. So in that point, we are the team who can concern for the company, especially about the, the power plant company. So we support the company to transform like a transformation. And building up zero health, that is the role we are doing. And I'm the one who's leading those part of the zero related power plant you know, project. I really like, I guess, the focus that your company is having on the low carbon solutions and mm-hmm. how you mentioned that a lot of, like, say COVID happened, it had an impact, but um, it also creates an opportunity, I guess, in terms of looking for new solutions um, and things like that. And I think the other good point you made is about, I guess, the social aspect, like, how you treat your people, things like that, because that encompasses the S part of ESG. So oh, yeah. I think it's important, important for us to focus as well as the environmental part on the S and the G parts, the social and governance. And I think that's really important. I have a lot of friends who come from an engineering background. Um, mm-hmm. My question is, so for someone with an engineering background and say if they want to pursue a career in climate change and sustainability, what's the best way for them to use their skills? This is really actually a good question because climate change is really a broad topic. Everyone gets interested, but no one knows what to do. You know, we cannot go to the university to learn about from the HC. You know? So, my idea and my answer about this question is like uh, uh, starting a really a small topic from your side and try to make it a, a little bit bigger and bigger. This sounds too artificial, but for my case, for my answer, for my experiences, as I said, when I got some topic to want to know what it more I tried to reach out to the people and then ask them directly. That is really a helpful way for me because 
we we cannot reach out to the you know head of the ESG ESG manager. We cannot, but we can at least like reach out to you, this and Maya, and ask them like, but what to focus on, and what is your journey, and what is your 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 experience about the survey. Yeah. So for me, like uh, I got to know about the climate change and sustainability. So I learned about the nuclear energy and. After I learned about the nuclear power and energy system, I feel like, oh, data science could be a great implication about the power to maximize the you know, possibility. So I tried to learn one by one from YouTube and Utah City. And I feel like, oh, this two licensing is working well. So I write up that basis. Uh, and, just, and then I feel like, oh, the, the climate change is going to be a great issue, but no one can understand without a you know, right method and tool. So I tried to dig the visualization. So finally, the things like happen like this way and we can meet and connect together. So, but the things, I, I, what I want to say is like, the thing never comes like easily because you have to end up, you have to think deeply, you have to think in depth and you have to ask yourself like what you want to do. Because climate change is, is really important, but, you know, like doing the recycling, uh, clearly that is not the way you can do it. Just sit on your desk, do your work, and then try to, you know, open the open the link to what you can do and what kind of things are going to be happen if you do this way, especially with the on the on the goal of the climate change. For example, like uh, Maya and Viz, you, you guys are also working so well about the climate change and sustainability. But you know, to be honest, this is not the this is not the, the first idea you already got from the first step, right? You've done your work and you find, you find out like, oh, this could be impact on the climate change and you find your passion on the climate. I feel like so. And at this point, I want to ask you guys really, I want to ask you about like, how, what kind of motivation make you want to drink us and what make you really, you know, brave to working on this one? I've been so inspired actually. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing to hear, Harim. I think mm-hmm. firstly, I think you made a really good point about the importance of reaching out to people on LinkedIn and doing additional mm-hmm. courses um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And like, I've looked at like the, say the IPCC report, it's like mm-hmm. something like a few thousand pages or like yeah, it has yeah. a lot of pages. And it's like, yeah. obviously like most people, they, they wouldn't be able to read that. It would be too confusing. So I think the power of data and explaining that is like so interesting. So mm-hmm. really good job to you. Um, so I guess from my perspective, Harim, it was something that, I was passionate about and Maya also had a lot of interest in the field. And I think both of us, we used this whole lockdown period as a time for us to sort of develop this idea Mm -hmm. and to see like what impact we can make. And for me, I think I noticed like a lot of people, um, I felt they understood climate change, but they didn't understand like say ESG and how ESG links to finance and looking at it from the big picture. So that's for me. And yeah, pass it over to Maya now. Yeah, it's been a lockdown project and it's been an idea that we want to take to kind of connect as well. All the people that we do speak to, we reach out to, and like every one of our friends and all of our colleagues are all very interested in learning, but they don't know where to go. And they also seem like they feel like they're alone on this journey. And we want to be this platform to actually you know, be that community and hopefully be that platform where startups can grow and these frameworks and reports can be built and be that collective power in creating change. 
this is rather amazing, you know. I totally understand why like, having something in my hand, doing something in real life is totally different, as I said. And you guys done already amazing. And I totally want to give you a thumbs, you know, starting a this great movement. And I think because not many people, especially like the young generation who has a consideration about the essence of sustainability, they have in mind, but they, they never work like you guys. So I really respect about this point of view, seriously. Yeah. You guys said amazing thing. Yeah. No, that that really means a lot, Harim. And you are also um, you're also doing amazing things with I guess the impact you're doing and upskilling and also like putting everything on LinkedIn because like it's really great to share this information. Um, with oh, everyone. definitely. Yeah, like, definitely. I think, I think a lot of people are responding to your post. So like I, I know like a lot of people are finding it beneficial. So I think you're doing amazing stuff as well. Um, so I guess like on that note, I wanted to I wanted to sort of think about how data can be applied to climate change. Like I think it's a force of good um, because people get a better understanding of say how nuclear energy or or say, or say like another, say like I guess, I guess another type of energy um, can I guess impact people and the effect it has. So, what systems or softwares can young people use to upskill themselves, and what's the best way for them to learn? Really good question because I've been struggling about this part so long, and I found out my own software as a really powerful tool. But to be honest, if you want to deal with the data, with the climate change, or any kind of big issue, you have to figure out like what you want to do first. Do you want to develop a model to predict to predict some some answer or do you want to analyze in depth or do you want to make an impactful research then you have to your answer is going to be different. So normally people start it feels like uh, they have to run lots of lots of code with artificial intelligence like Python or TensorFlow or something. But you don't need to because all about the thing, all about the data processing and data analytics is like uh, figure out, figuring out like what you want to bring up. So my answer was like a tablet because I'm a data scientist as well. I, I know how to code. I am good. I am good with the data processing. But it is like a, the very first step. There's so many labor you have to put on put onto the work. And I guess you already know about it because you're working like an analyst, so you're dealing with the code. But processing and labeling is like something you have to do, like a basic assets you think, but the things, especially with the visualization, you have to choose like what kind of flexibility you want to put and what kind of interactive, interactive movement you want to apply. So I feel like at this, at this point of view, I feel like a tablet is so far the, the strongest tool I can apply for. And one of the great great advantages about the tablet is like tablet has a great community already. You know, when you learn something, you might feel like, uh, oh, I'm still struggling and I want to know a little bit more about it, but I don't know where to work, who I can ask for. But tablet already has a great community and we already have a great movement about it inside of the tablet. So whenever you want to know something, you just tap the hash or just ask or reach out to the tablet gen master that you can learn and you can participate in the community. That is actually how I learned myself and how I learned the tablet. And yeah, yeah definitely. I learned from the furniture mentor from the tablet community. And I feel like uh, this is the term I have to pay back to the people. So that's why I created the data climate change data visualization like hash CCTV. So whenever the people 
reach out to me and ask me like how to develop this one and I'm definitely afraid to tell them definitely. So actually those of where and tool is more is like uh, whatever you have to choose for your own you know, advantage and your own purpose. Even Vision Maya want to develop some visualization, you can choose the history or call behind on the purpose. But for me tablets is a really great because it has a great community. That is a really strong point. Yeah, that's awesome. I think having the good community and sharing information is so important. Now we're going to change things up a bit. We're going to our speed round of questions. So this means um, we have to answer them a little bit fast. Are you ready? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. First question. What are your book recommendations, Harim? And who are people to follow in this space? Follow the Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Factfulness. Yeah. Have you heard about that book? I actually have. I've actually, I think I've read that book actually. I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So the second question, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm, I might say like, uh, keep going on the goal and no more excuse and don't worry, nothing will ever happen. And actually, no one really care about you. That's the advice I can give, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so next question. How do we keep our financial financial institutions and governments accountable on climate change and sustainability issues? Mm. The first of the things about the financial institution and government accountable on climate change is like education for me. The education not going to be like a, you know, like a right right and formal education, but it's more like a, you know public education for the people to understand like what is truth. That is my answer, and that's my purpose and answer about it. I think the, the financial institution is really important and it's really easy to put the money in the wrong direction for my personal view. But, you know, so that's why you have to put the right direction and you have to keep it like a open access to the public education or things, you know, to let the people know, at least know about, let the people know like right and, you know, former information. Yeah. else can listeners go to learn more about you and your organizations? Mm-hmm. Mostly LinkedIn and Twitter, I post with them regularly, but I already launched a CCTV that finally changed of July this year. So I still have no specific idea like how to make it like uh, spread to the world and how to make the real people want to participate in this data related climate change issue. So that's what I want to ask you, ask the people for a little bit more about. But I think the first step is like uh, launching a website and then let the people learn for free and share it for free that's the first step i have i have my, i have in my mind because i don't i don't look for the profit i just look for an opportunity for the people to grow and participate together about climate change yeah yeah so yeah. i will share with you and mostly on the LinkedIn, i can post it there yeah yeah amazing i think we all do appreciate that Harim. so i guess mm-hmm. keep up the good work um and then the last question is uh, so if you had three wishes for the planet, any three wishes, what would they be? Definitely keep the temperature and persistence and opportunity for the next generation. Because I still feel like in Europe it's special mistake. So I really wish the, the you know, planet keep going a little bit more and wait for us to cover up the things. And we have to give the opportunity to the next generation. Because the, even the COVID is really, I feel like this is like a, uh, I, I have to be, I have to be, I have to keep my 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 tongue a little bit patient, but I feel like the Corona is also what we already made a you understand. So we have to keep the planet and we have our yeah. attitudes on the right way. So 
yeah, make a better essay for the client. Yeah, no, definitely. I think with COVID, hopefully it's quite temporary, but climate change seems like a permanent thing and it's something yeah. that we have to do in order to make the world better for future generations who might not have the same privileges we have. So definitely agree. So Harim, that brings us to the end of our interview. It's been mm-hmm. a real pleasure to have you on board and I really find your passion for the climate change space and also like your ability to want to help people really amazing and educate people more in the space and share your knowledge. Um, while I don't know too much about the data, I think that's amazing and something I want to learn as well. And I think oh, it'll, definitely, okay. it'll definitely help me and other people understand oh, sure. more about energy, more about ESG. And I think like it's that whole mission and it's something that Maya and I want to do. We want to empower people and make an impact oh, sure. to, to make a change in the sector. So I think like we are definitely aligned and that's really awesome to see. And yeah, I do wish you all the best at, at Seabury Solutions and anything else that you want to pursue. And I'll definitely be following you on LinkedIn. And yeah, I really enjoyed having you on this interview. No, thank you so much. No worries. I feel, yeah, I feel so happy and I wish to have a great chance more and more with a great influence about the sustainability of the ESG. And we have to try to help the collaboration opportunity you know, to to yeah, develop some data utilization or data related climate change settings. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Maya, and it's especially for taking your time and giving you a great opportunity to be a uh, first fan about the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to your you're in like unlimited drugs you guys deserve the best thank you great thanks Harim appreciate that well how was that Harim is so wonderful she has so much insight and experience and I certainly feel empowered to just go for it to make it happen a grit mindset is what we need as we tackle the climate change crisis If you'd like to get in touch with Harim or see any of her work, her links will be in the show notes. By the way, I'm Sarah Sarangolo, your new podcast editor. The Greenfluence team and I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch and become a Greenfluencer, check out our social media links in the show notes. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until then, see you next time.